When I discovered elopements, it just made so much more sense to me than traditional weddings. And now it's pretty much the only thing I photograph. And I know I'm not the only one who love elopements, so I'm so happy to have Heather Anderson with me today to talk about marketing for elopement photographers. She uses a very different approach than me for marketing, and I hope you'll find this interesting. I definitely learned a lot. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, a podcast all about business tips, inspiration, and confidence building. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, the host of this podcast, and after over a decade as a photographer, I now help talented photographers run sustainable businesses. And for full transparency, you should know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I will probably mention some of those in this episode. Hi, Heather, and welcome to the Sustainable Photography Podcast. I'm so excited to talk about elopements and marketing because I'm an elopement photographer, you're an elopement photographer, and marketing is really essential and whatever's working keeps changing for people. So I'd love to know more about you and how you get started and all the things. Oh, I'm so excited to be here today and thank you for having me. I am really excited to talk about elopements and marketing and all the things because that's like my jam. It's what I love talking about. So I'm excited to talk to you since we have a lot of similar things in common and our businesses, our trajectory seems very similar. So it'll be exciting to talk to you today. As far as my kind of background is I started my business in 2011 and that was in response to having kids. So I was a special ed teacher and I had worked in for like nine months in a classroom and then I gonna start our family. And I realized really quickly, like I kind of chose teaching thinking like, oh, I could have time with my kids. But I realized really quickly teachers actually work a lot longer hours. They show up earlier and they stay later and they all the things. And it was so much of the same energy that I was using as a mom, as a teacher. And I quickly figured out like I really didn't want to do that as a living. And so I took one summer and I told myself if I can make my salary in that summer like the same amount that I was making as teacher, I would go ahead and switch over to photography. And so I really didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea of business, marketing, anything. And I just hit the ground running and I just worked really hard and I did it. So that fall, I turned in my, my resignation and I never looked back. And I have never been happier with any decision I made in my life. Like it was the best choice. That the last decade though has been an insane ride with that being said. Like entrepreneurism is not for the pain of heart. <laughs> and um, definitely there's been tons of pivots. And I know in the beginning, a lot of my family and friends were kind of like doubting. They were like, you have this great job and it's secure and you have benefits and you have retirement and like, what are you going to do? Right. And so it came with some pushback, especially I think starting a decade ago. Right. I think it's a little more acceptable now, but I really had to like believe in myself and dig deep. And the beginning, I had some support from family and friends and it made it kind of easy. But as soon as you kind of burn out, I feel like when photographers first start, like all their family and friends hire them and you burn out that inner circle. And then you're like, okay, now what? And that's kind of where I was as a family photographer, where I kind of burned out my inner circle and I had to figure out marketing for the first time in my life. And I started with, I think back then it was like Groupons or something and did that, right? That took off and the family photography business really took off for me. And those families, as they got older and they had some older kids wanted to hire me as like a wedding photographer. And I remember at first being like, oh no, I don't do weddings. I definitely could not do that. Like, that's not my wheelhouse. I'll refer you. But I had a few that were just very insistent. And so I was like, okay, but here's the thing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so I was really worried about it. So what I decided to do is I actually 
um, hired somebody who did know how to shoot weddings to be my second shooter, letting them know like, actually, you'll be like the lead. <laughs> and then I learned from them. And that year I shot five weddings of just people who were my family clients who had people getting married. And I hired second shooters and paid them most of the money I was making to kind of be the lead shooter, basically, right? And I learned from them. And I was like, that's it, I'm hooked. And I never went back to families. The next year I booked over 30 weddings and just went full force in weddings. Yeah, it was crazy. That does sound crazy. Yeah, that was a wild ride and so much fun. And I loved it. And again, ran into that, like, okay, now how do I market for weddings and how to figure that out, right? Got that down, got into like 20 different venues where I was a preferred vendor and that was really easy. And I got to the point where like, I was having to turn away bookings. So I built a team. And then really my life had changed at that point. My kids were older and I was like, hey, you know, I could do more destinations. So I started booking destination weddings and kind of went down that fine art route and did a lot of film, um, which was really fun because that was kind of my roots. Like in high school, I worked in the dark room and stuff. And so I loved getting back into film and that was really fun. Then I had seven countries booked for 2020 and like 20 weddings all around the world. And it was quickly becoming this thing of what am I going to do, right? Like every photographer in the world, we were like, what are we going to do now? What happens next, right? And I had a few elopements booked in there, sprinkled in. It wasn't anything I was really doing, but becoming a destination wedding photographer, that kind of happened naturally. Like these people who wanted to go do destination weekends and they were doing smaller, like, you know, them and their best friends were coming or them and their parents and doing these more elopement-like weddings. And so I had some experience with that and I kind of figured like, well, why don't I just try and talk these 28 couples and doing more of that? Right. And so I was able to get most of those to turn over and book into elopements for the year, which was amazing. And I loved it. Like I just was so in love with my business again. I was starting to feel burnout from weddings. I had shot over 400 weddings at that point. And I remember when I got this taste of elopements in this more intimate setting, the couples were so happy. They were starting to just get more like thinking outside the box and doing more untraditional and unconventional things because of COVID, I think. They were kind of forced to kind of think outside of the box and do something different. But I just loved it. And I was like, how can I change my business to this? Like, this is what I want. So I made that pivot fully. And again, ran into like, well, now how do I market? Because marketing for the traditional weddings and the destination weddings is more like networking and meeting with vendors and getting on venue lists. And you can't do that in elopements, right? So it was like this whole figuring that out. And so that's kind of where I am today. Um, I am a elopement photographer. And then I also teach other people like how to pivot their, their businesses and to create that marketing for elopements. Okay. So a lot of things and you've gone through a lot of changes. It was great. But you must have thought while you were doing all these different things, you must have had maybe even changing ideas of what a sustainable business is. And I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah. So I think that's why I pivot so much. And I feel like in our industry, it's often like, find your niche and stick to your niche and like, just do this one thing. Right. And that just doesn't work for me. Being a creative person, first of all, I feel like I'm always like looking for the next thing to get my creative juices flowing. Right. And our life changes a lot. Like from going from little kids to having older kids, to having kids in college, like my life has changed. What I need for my life to be sustainable for my business to sustain my lifestyle, which is really what it comes down to. To me, having a sustainable business means like your business is sustaining your current lifestyle. Right. And because everything changes all the time, my business has to change too. So to me, that's what creates a sustainable photography business is being flexible and willing to see and know when it's time to make a change so that your business can continue to support your lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. That's so true. And 
I think it's important to to kind of be aware of that, that you're allowed to change, you're allowed to try new things and and you don't have to stick to one thing, but also that you've made your business. So you should make sure that your business is working for you and not just the other way around, because you can often end up almost like hostage to your business if you don't. Yeah, I think that's so true. And that's the thing of like, like when I got to the point of I shot 400 weddings and I'm kind of burnt out with it, that's no longer creating the lifestyle that I went for, right? The whole reason I think most people go into creating their own businesses is not easier than having a nine to five necessarily, right? It's definitely more scary and more risky and all the things. So why? I think most of our why is either like financial freedom or time freedom or a mixture of both, right? And if your business stops doing one of those two things, it's time to tweak it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But okay. So you've done family photography, you've done weddings, and now you do elopements. How is marketing for elopements different than the more traditional ways of doing photography? Yeah. So it's so different. And that was like the biggest thing I ran up against when I tried to make that change and pivot is because like I said before, you can kind of network, you can get network with other vendors, like being the photographer, you're not the first thing booked. Usually the venue is right. So if you can start networking and get in with venues, word of mouth, a lot of times as you're shooting a wedding, a lot of the bridesmaids are getting married or they're getting engaged or, you know, like you've got this kind of like, it kind of builds on itself and it has this momentum with networking and word of mouth and all that kind of stuff. Elopements don't have that. Like you're usually the first person contacted, the first vendor, if not the only vendor, right? And so you can't rely on networking or word of mouth or getting on a preferred vendor list, or there aren't uh, like five bridesmaids that are also engaged and probably going to hire you in the future, right? It's just a totally different beast. And so trying to figure out like, how do you get in front of these people before, like you have to be the first person, right? You have to get in front of them when they're actually like just thinking about and planning. And so how do you get in front of your ideal couple before they even really know they need you is what you have to do. So that's where the marketing is totally different. What's been your strategy? How have you been able to do that? So for me, the thing that works best is meta ads or as people know, Facebook ads. But really the way I use it is Instagram. So my ideal couple is not on Facebook. So I don't use their Facebook part of it. I just use it to put ads out on Instagram. And so we're not talking about like boosting an ad. I would never do that. I feel like that's just going to be a waste of your money (laughs) because all boosting an ad does is add engagement and people come like it more, but they're not your ideal client, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like boosting a post. Yeah. So if you boost a post, it's just getting it in front of more people, but those people aren't necessarily people who are looking to elope or book a wedding photographer, right? If you use meta ads, you can actually tell exactly who your ideal client is and it's going to serve up your ads to your ideal client. So that's why it's so amazing and works so well for elopement photography is because once you know who your ideal client is and you can identify that, and create an ad that speaks to them and messaging that speaks to them, you're going to get in front of them. And they're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> right? Okay. So that you're getting in front of them before they even maybe even are looking for you. Okay, cool. Okay. We need to talk more about that because it sounds really interesting, but I do need to know your couples, like your ideal couples, are they local to you or are they from a different country? Are they from a different area of Seattle? Like where, where are they? How does it work? Yeah. And so I think with elopement photographers, what I find when coaching elopement photographers, that is very different, right? So some elopement photographers, they just want to shoot locally. They don't want to travel. Maybe they live in a destination area that's like they live in Hawaii or they live in Alaska and everyone's coming there to elope anyways, or Montana, right? And they don't need to travel. 
Then there's other people who are like, I live somewhere where I would like to travel and I want to go to all the destinations. <laughs> and so then they're kind of trying to attract those couples. So it depends on what you're looking at. And there's so many different kinds of elopements. Some people really want to do those courthouse elopements and something a little different, like a mix of more intimate weddings. And some people are looking to do just adventure, like go on hike and kayak and whatever. So those are two very different client, like ideal clients, right? So you got to kind of figure out like the first question I would ask myself is what type of elopement photographer are you? And for me, I'm an adventure elopement photographer. And so I want to be in places like national parks, beautiful places, beautiful outdoors. I'm all about the couples who are down to be outside and hike and adventure, right? So that is who I'm looking for. And I do travel often. Now I live in California. So this is like a destination where a lot of people come to elope. That's true. But California is also really big. And the area that I live in particularly, it's quite a drive for me, like probably eight hours to get into anywhere where people really want to elope, right? And so... I consider myself a destination elopement photographer because even though it's inside California, it's still an eight-hour trip, right? <laughs> or got to get on a flight or whatever, right? And then my other big areas that I target is Alaska and Hawaii because those are just flights for me. They're easy. In Utah and Arizona, same. I can actually drive to parts of Utah and Arizona quicker than parts of California. So those are my areas that I kind of focus on. So knowing what destinations you want to focus on, like you can't just kind of be like, I'll shoot anywhere. I think when people just like put that airplane on there and they're like, take me where I'm looking to travel. It's much better to pick an area that you're an expert in that you understand and market to that one area. So I kind of do like the Southwest, which is kind of Utah, Arizona, California. And then I've got Alaska and Hawaii that I do as well. Now, last year, I also ended up on the East Coast and in Portugal and in Florida, like not that you don't end up in a Montana, you end up in other places, but I don't market per se to those places. Yeah. And I think you just touched on kind of a common mistake thinking that as a photographer, I just want to shoot anywhere and everywhere and thinking that that is a good place to start. And I completely agree with you that it isn't because it's really hard for people to know and to even find you and for you to reach anyone with your marketing. So there's that. And I'm really curious to know more about how you do the targeting with the ads, because as we talked about in the beginning, I'm also an elopement photographer and I've never used ads for that. So I'm genuinely curious to, to know how you do it. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing that you want to do is always be thinking about how can you serve your ideal couple, right? So once you figure out who your ideal couple is, like what's your best way to serve them? What's your expertise? So for example, being a California photographer, Yosemite is like one of the main places people want to look, right? So, and I'm an expert in that. I know Yosemite inside and out. I've backpacked through it. I've gone through backcountry. Like that's a place I've grown up exploring, right? So I can be the expert in that and I can create resources that can help couples that are thinking of eloping in Yosemite. Now, taking those resources and driving some paid advertisement behind it is great. So if I wrote like a How to Eloping in Somebody blog, well, that's great. And it might be getting good SEO and maybe I'm throwing some on Pinterest and it's getting some pins or whatever. But if I really like say that's going well, I'm like, okay, this is going really well. I put some paid stuff behind it. It's, it'll do even better, right? So that's when I'll go and I'll create an ad and I'll target that audience. So you want to create an audience and think about like, who's your ideal couple who's going to be eloping in Yosemite? What age are they? Who's going to be shopping? Is it mostly going to be guys that are looking for you or girls that are looking for you? And what's their demographic? Where do they shop? Where do they spend their time? Because those are all things you can tell Meta and then they can go find those people. How long have they been engaged, right? Letting them know what kind of relationship status they have. So creating that like target audience inside your Meta ad is where you tell Meta, like, these are the people I want to find. And then it goes and finds. 
Okay, you're making it sound really, really easy. So, <laughs> and it's not, it's actually not that easy. So here's the thing. It gets easy with time. And I relate this to editing for photographers because I feel like this is something we can all understand, right? When you first start editing, I feel like it's pretty overwhelming. Like the first time you get into Lightroom, you're like, uh, what do I do, right? Like Lightroom feels overwhelming. You get in there and there's all these sliders and things and whatever. But now, now that you're seasoned at it, you get in Lightroom, you've got your presets set up, you know exactly what you're going to do, you know how to batch things, like you're in and out of there, right? And you're like, bing, bing, boom, right? So creating a meta ads is very similar. The first couple of times you get in there, it's super overwhelming. Once you get it dialed down, you kind of have like a process, almost like a preset. You kind of have like, I know I click these things. I know I add this audience and this is what I'm going to do. This is what works well. So it becomes much easier over time. But the first few times in there are really can be really overwhelming. Yeah, I'm sure. And I have to ask, does it cost a lot? Like how can you make sure that it's worth it? Yeah. So the ROI is like, so for me, I found it to be very worth it. Right. So last year, for example, I was able to book 50 elopements for myself and my team and then just using meta ads. And then from that, I increased my revenue 200% in that year. Right. So I know like I put in X amount, I'm going to get, I'm always going to get more back. So if I said to you, like, if you give me a dollar and I give you a dollar 20 back every time, you're going to be like, okay. Right. So as long as you're, ads are set up to perform well and there's a way to go back and check them like you check them every couple weeks and make sure they're still performing well and that you're getting that ROI and you've got to track yourselves and make sure like you're making your investment back right my rule of thumb when I tell people when I'm coaching is take 20% of like whatever you just booked take 20% of that and put it back in ads and it will definitely give you a good ROI like you're going to see that money come back does that make sense okay absolutely yeah I think it's really interesting because I was thinking about doing ads for my elopements a few years ago. But then I remember the Facebook ads people that I was talking to, they were like, if you want to do local ads for a local audience, it's really easy to book weddings and stuff. But for elopements, when your couple is living in a different location, in a different location, it's really hard. So I just ended up never even trying. But the way you describe it, you make it seem like it's definitely possible. So Yeah. So for example, like where would be a destination you wanted to target? Well, I only want to shoot in Norway because I don't really want to like go far away. But Norwegians don't really elope. So it's mainly Americans, Canadians, people from, I don't know, Australia, the UK, Singapore. They come here to elope, but not not really local people, no. So you can make your audience like to hit Canada, to hit UK and to hit the United States. I only do English speaking ones because your ads are usually written in English. So unless you know how like to write them, but I pick countries that, they can read my app, but I've written in English. So that's one thing you want to be careful of, right? It's just making sure that you've got a country like Australia is fine, like countries where people are very forward and reading and speaking whatever language you're putting your ad in, right? So for you, I would say like advertise to Australia, UK, United States. Actually, you can say exclude. I would exclude Norway. And then you can choose like people who have visited here often, who are planning to visit here. Like those are things you can choose inside the ad. Can Meta know that? I think that's so fascinating, but okay, cool. Yeah, so well, I'm scary. So it is, it's both, right? So it's a little bit scary as we all know, but also when you're on the side of marketing, that's good information to have. And so it works in your favor. So it just depends. Obviously, I will say in the past, they had a lot more information from our phones, just knowing who we are and like what we were doing on Facebook and what we're clicking on. But you can figure like Meta can see like if you're searching that you're going to be planning an elopement or if you've been searching and tagging and saving elopement step 
or if you've been saving stuff about going to Norway, like it kind of knows that it's intelligent, right? So it's going to gather that information. Also, it's really good at AI. So it has a very powerful AI system. And you also install what's called like a pixel onto your website. And so like that blog I was talking about, if you wrote a blog, like how to open Norway, and it did really well. So I always tell people, do organic before you put paid behind it. So write the blog, do it organically, make sure it's performing well, and then boost it with paid. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You would write this blog to Norway. It's doing really well. You're like, okay, I want to run an ad to this. Well, that whole time, you're going to leave a pixel on it. Even when you haven't run an ad to it, the pixel is going to be on the page. Then Facebook can know like who's landing there, who's reading it. And Facebook learns, the AI learns like who is your ideal client, who is responding really well to this blog post. And then it serves it up even better. So it's that AI, that magic. And people, this is where people fall short all the time for Facebook ads. They run it for like a week and they freak out because they're not making any money. It's not really hitting the right people. But it's AI. It takes some time to learn. I say give it at least two weeks before you make any changes at all ever. Like even if it's tanking, give it two weeks because sometimes it just like picks up and starts performing. After two weeks, if it's still tanking, that's when you want to go in and make some adjustments. Okay, cool. And what's a good starting budget for something like that? So unfortunately, it's really increased over the last couple of years. Like it used to be, I could say like, five, put $5 behind it, $5 a day, whatever. It really now, you can play with it and you can see on the side, it'll tell you like, if you do this amount, then this, this many people are going to be reached, right? Sometimes between that $13 to $20, that seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah, for two weeks. Oh no, $13 to $20 a day. Yeah, yeah. But you do that for two weeks yes. and then you'll have a good idea if it's working. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then what happens is like, if I have an ad that's, really cranky. Like I have one that I have at a hundred dollars a day now because it's cranky. It's doing well. I just keep adding like, you never want to go from like $13 to 200, right? But you can add like five to $8 a week at a time. Like just add, okay, this app's doing really well. I'm going to add another $5. I'm going to add another $5. So that's the one that's been running for like over a year. And I just keep adding a little, a little, a little, but it's performing so well. As long as it's performing well, it's not broken. I just keep adding to that one. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the more you put behind it, the more leads you're going to get. And at some point, you'll get, be getting so many leads, you either have to build a team or that whole sustainable part, right? Because that happened to me, like where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so many leads. What am I going to do? So you have to remember to keep it sustainable. And Facebook ads will be like a faucet. And you can kind of turn it on and off depending on like you can bring your ad spin down or push it up. Like, oh, I need more bookings. Let me push it back up. Oh my gosh, I'm fully booked. Let me turn it off for a while. So that's what's really great about keeping it in the sustainable. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You said you do some organic marketing before you decide if you want to do paid ads as well. What's your strategy when it comes to the organic side? So I just make sure my SEO is really good. Like if I'm doing a blog post, just making sure that SEO is dialed in, right? And then I'll use some Pinterest as well. And so I use Tailwind and I actually now have a Pinterest manager. But when I was doing it myself, I used Tailwind and I would just put all my Pinterest, like I blog, I usually blog like once or twice a month and I have those figured out. And then I would have my Pinterest all figured out for the month. I do like one day and then have it all go out, right? And then I'm watching those analytics because you can have, I used Hotjar and Google Analytics, just watch the analytics and see which ones are doing well. Usually if I post two a month, like one, one blog's going to way outperform the other and that's the one I would put the money behind. So you're kind of A-B testing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. If something's going well, then you might change up the ads. And if not, you'll just stick to the ones that you have. Or do you have multiple ads running at the same time usually? 
So I usually have multiple ads. One is something that I keep really low budget. And I that one is like $5 a day. And it's just getting people on my email list, right? And so that's like, it just runs 365. It's always running, just getting people onto my email list. Because as we all know, email list is king. That one is running all the time, right? And then I have my other one that now is performing really well. It's the one piece of content I created that just is doing well. And I've fed that forever, but it took me a while to get that one. Like I, I tried different content and different ads until I found the one that like served me best. And every business is a little different. When I'm coaching with people, I usually have seven different like ad strategies that I offer up and be like, okay, what works best for you? Because some people are like, hey, I don't mind being on Instagram all the time. And I like to show my face and I like to talk and I like doing this. So that content that your resource could be like an actual training video, right? And that person who's like really outgoing, that's going to work really well for them and their brand. Another person who's like, I don't, I don't want to show my face. I don't want to dance on Instagram. I just want to write a blog post. Well, that person I'm like, okay, here, use this blog post strategy. But there's different strategies depending on like, what's your strength? Like what's your marketing strength? Everyone, just like you have strengths as a photographer, that make you stand out, right? Like, so for some people, it's shooting film. Some people, it's the way they edit. Some people, it's the way they deal with crowds. Like, whatever it is, people have their superpower, their strength, right? And it's same with marketing. Like, and so you have to find the thing that you love inside marketing and your superpower and your strength and then play to that. And that's different per person. And that's why you need like different ad strategies depending on the brand and the business and the person because what works well for one business doesn't necessarily work for every business. But the ads itself do. They just have to be used in the correct way. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's something that I talk about a lot. How that just because someone's saying that you should do this doesn't mean that because you need to do the thing that works for you and not just what works for someone else. Because yes, Instagram might work. Ads might work. But if you don't like the work, if you can't keep it up for whatever reason then it's not going to be right for you. Although I get ads is a little bit different because you don't actually do that much of the work, but there is some work involved with staying up on the analytics side and making sure that it's all running smoothly, I'm assuming. Yeah, and the best thing is that having that piece of content, whatever you're running the ad to, that content has to be something you're excited about or your couples are going to not be excited, right? So it's really finding the piece of content you want to create that works best for you and your brand and your business. You'll get more from Heather in a minute, but I wanted to remind you to sign up for the waitlist for the Sustainable Photography Program. Go to ingvildkollnes.com sustainable to be notified when the next round starts. And there'll be some special bonuses just for you. I mean, there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of photographers. How can someone stand out and be sure that they're the right person for their people, for their clients? Yeah. Well, I think that comes back to knowing your ideal client, right? So knowing exactly who you're serving. So for example, for myself, because I'm an adventure elopement photographer and I do a lot of adventuring, you know, I go rock climbing on the weekends with my, my kids. And I post that to my Instagram because that's like social proof to my couple. Like, oh, she does the same thing I do. We also like rock climbing, right? So it's making sure that your content like connects with your couple and knowing who you're speaking to. Exactly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So what about... One thing that I've noticed more and more and that I hear other photographers noticing as well is getting ghosted. It happens all the time, more now than it used to. Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, I'm hearing that a lot, like within the groups I'm coaching and just, you know, in our industry. I feel like right now people are saying like bookings are down, inquiries are down, I'm getting ghosted more. 
So I think what comes down to with getting ghosted is usually it's because you've got people who are like sending out the same email to like 20 photographers. And if you didn't answer it just right or just the right time or whatever, they fall off. Right. And so, I mean, I think that's really what getting ghosted comes down to. And so that's going to happen, whatever our industry looks like, but you're going to notice it more when people are doing more price shopping, when people are a little more concerned with the economics and they're more worried about the pricing they're going to send out more emails. They're going to do more of this mass, like looking for any photographer that might fit the bill for them, right? And so I think that's why people are feeling it more and feeling like they're getting ghosted more. But I think if you have a really good workflow, it doesn't matter what the economy is or what's happening in our industry. And that's kind of where I like, I try not to pay attention to what other people are saying is happening. And I just focus on my business. I'm still having an 80% conversion rate. So I know my workflow is working. And so to me, I have a workflow in place. And I think that's really important is like, I know as soon as someone contacts me, I get back to him in these two ways. And this is what I do, right? I send him a text, I send him an email. I make sure because sometimes that email goes a span or they got 20 other emails and they didn't even open it, right? So I'm also texting them to make sure like, hey, did you get my email, right? Following up with him. Then I have a trigger where I follow up with three days in a row with helpful content. So that email is not just like, hey, here I am again. Are you going to book me? <laughs> but it's like, hey, I know you're planning an elopement. Let me send you this blog post that I wrote, right? Because usually in an inquiry firm, I'll say like, where are you looking to elope? And they'll say, Yosemite, we'll just use that. It's easy, right? And then I'm like, okay, great. I have two blog posts on Yosemite. I put one in one email on one day, one in the email the next day, and I have a how to elope guide for you, somebody, right? So I put that in the third email. When you serve them up stuff that actually is a helpful resource, they are more likely to connect with you than if you're just getting back and be like, here's my prices, get on a call with me, right? Why? Why do I need to get on a call with you? And then they usually at that point will come back with questions. They might still not be ready to get into the call. Whenever people come back with questions, I am immediately like really short, answer short, sweet. I answer their question, but I'm like, and we can talk about this more on the call. So you really have to get them on the call because that's what's going to make the difference between you and the 20 other photographers they sent the same email to who can get them on a call faster. That's what it comes down to, really. Yeah, I agree. So if you're getting ghosted, it's all about what's your workflow look like? Are you serving these couples? How well are you serving them? And how soon can you get them on a call? And then beyond that, if I get ghosted, which I do, I don't care. Because I'm like, obviously, you were not my ideal client. I served you well. I showed up. I gave you resources. I tried to connect with you. We obviously were not going to be on the same page anyways, right? So I'm okay with getting ghosted sometimes because I know my ideal client. And I know if you didn't respond to me, you're probably not my ideal client. Yeah. I love that way of thinking about it. But it's also easy though, because you have a lot of inquiries coming in. So it's easy for you to just think like, oh, well, there's another one coming. But what if someone isn't there yet? What if someone's like, I really needed that booking and they ghosted me and it's the third time this week and I don't know what to do. How can you kind of, what can you tell someone to help them kind of relax and trust that it's going to work out or to actually make some changes to do something differently? Yeah. So to me, that's your business giving you feedback. If you're really like getting ghosted over and over and over again, like something is not working well for you, right? And that happens to me for sure. That's happened to me in my business, right? Where I'm like, wait, something's broken. And maybe it's something that even worked before and now it's not, right? We have to go back and analyze that and figure out where in the piece of the puzzle did they fall off, right? Like what happened? Where am I losing people? Am I losing... Do they never even respond to my first email? Well, maybe you need to rewrite that first email, right? What can you change up? What can you do different? Maybe your website isn't really connecting. Maybe you don't have the right messaging to your right ideal couple because maybe they 
jumped over your website and they immediately realize like, no, this isn't a photographer for me. Or if they get on the call with you, you're like, I keep getting in, but then I get ghosted after the call. Okay, well, maybe your call is not strong enough. Maybe you need to work on your call script and work on how you're relating to these people. Maybe you need to jump on with a coach and do a sales call and practice that. So it's figuring out like, where are they falling off? Where's your weakness? And where can you create that stronger foundation in your business? Yeah, I think that's so important to actually look at the different pieces of what you do and figure out what's the weak link. What do I need to change? So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then there's the mindset work. Like we're all entrepreneurs and it comes and goes on waves and it ebbs and flows. And there are definitely weeks where I'm like, oh, there's crickets in my inbox. But what am I going to do? And I mean, I'm not immune to these things, right? So that definitely happens. And that's where the mindset work comes in. So whatever works for you, for me, like I do a lot of meditating and I have a lot of like um, mantras that I listen to that are like these four entrepreneurs that are about like abundance and things like that so that you don't get into this scarcity mindset. And I think that's a really important piece of it too, is just making sure you're mentally healthy because running your own business is really hard and takes a toll, right? And if you want this business to be sustainable, you have to first take care of yourself. Like what I like to tell my coaching clients is oxygen mask has to go on you first, right? Because you can't take care of your couples. You can't run your business if you are in freak out mode yourself. No, no, absolutely not. Have you noticed any changes over the few years that you've been doing elopements? Has there been any changes in the way people uh, reach out to you and the way that you've changed your marketing strategies? Any like trend changes? Yeah. So I think first off, I think elopements are trending up. I feel like I'm getting way more people that are like, yeah, we're, we're feeling down for this. You know, I think people are looking to do something a little more unconventional and untraditional and people feel like, let's just get married. Let's do this. And let's make it about us. And maybe we don't need to have the 200 person plated dinner. I think people are more open to that idea than they've ever been. Right. So I think if you can get the right messaging in front of people, it's so much easier than it used to be. I feel like it used to be where you had to almost educate people of what is an elopement. I know. <laughs> and is it good for you? And we've kind of got past that. Like now people already know what elopement is. They kind of already know they want it. So in a way it's become easier, I think. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think that's true of many things. I think it used to be, or I think when you start out, you think of all the people doing the same thing as you as like your competition. And it's bad that there's more of them. But after a while, you realize that, oh, when more people do the same thing, it actually becomes easier because then it's more common, then it's more talked about. And then your main thing is really just figuring out how to stand out instead of just educating people on what it is you do. Yeah, yes, that's right. It takes away this piece of you no longer have to also educate people. You can just like show what your secret sauce is, right? And I feel like every photographer has that. Um, something that's really helped me stand out is the film, right? So I did it for the fine art and that's why I got booked in like, you know, Italy and Spain and Portugal because people wanted someone who could do that film and take them out there. When I pivoted into elopements, I was like, well, how can I carry that over? Like these people don't care about fine art and, and I can't lug around my three different film cameras on the hike or whatever, right? So when I figured I adapted that and I bring my little teeny 35 millimeter point and shoot black and white film, right? But they love it because it's different. It's unconventional, it's untraditional, but they're right into the elopements. It's like unique. They're so excited to have it. So if you can find the thing in your business that makes you stand out, you can always figure out what that thread is and like pull it along with you as you make pivots in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've been talking about marketing for elopement photographers, and that's something that you can 
I mean, even if you've been an elopement photographer for years, getting into ads and perfecting and improving your marketing strategy is really important. But what if someone's really new and they now know how to do marketing, but how can they really get started as an elopement photographer? Well, I think the first thing is to, you know, walk the walk. So like whatever it is you want to do, right? So I feel like I've had a lot of people come to me and they're like, I booked a hundred style of sheets last year at all my dream locations, but I still don't have inquiries coming in. And to me, that's just not the answer, like going to the style tunes or they can be helpful if there's something there that you really want to learn, right? But just going to get the content, great. You've got all this content of style shoots. What are you gonna do with it now, right? So it's understanding really like what to do with that. And so I think the thing is like, become the expert in whatever it is you want. So say, I'm just gonna go back to Yosemite because we've been using that all day, right? So say you want to be an elopement photographer in Yosemite, then travel there, plan a family vacation there, go there, show yourself recreating there, like get to know it and then share like, this is my favorite pizza joint when I was there. And I really loved this hike. And I loved this. I think that's what's going to really help someone pivot into elopements is like, whatever your couple resonates with, you need to be out doing that as well. And then sharing those things. Because I really think like, I remember I took a family vacation and this was already, I was kind of established in the area, but I'd only done maybe like five elopements with somebody at that point. Took a family vacation there because I was like, I got to bring my kids here. I'm having so much fun. And I had to bring them on a knob work time finally, you know? And I was just posting our week of the things we were doing for fun. I booked during that week while I was on vacation where I have very limited Wi-Fi. And I was just telling people like, well, I'm so sorry, I'm on vacation. I'll get back to you when I get home. I can't even jump on calls. I literally, before I even got home and got on the calls, had booked like four of them. And I ended up booking like 10 elopements off that one family vacation because people see you're there, Right. So I think that would be my advice instead of like going and booking a styled shoot at the location you want to go to, go take a vacation there and explore it and share your exploring. And then like come home, write a blog post. on like, if I was going to elope here, here's where I would eat. Here's the hike I would do. Here's the recreating I would do. I would stay at this lodge. This is the Airbnb I loved, right? I think that's what you need to do to really make yourself be able to be marketable. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I just really agree with what you say about uh, style shoots, because I see that so many photographers really think that that is the solution to just get more content, to just do different kinds of shoots and try to do like free shoots in all the different places. And it's like, that's not going to do anything for you. You have to post about it and you have to speak about it and talk about it with words and not just share a really nice styled photo, because that's probably not what someone is going to relate to. Right. Yeah. And especially with the loveling couples, because I feel like like you're going to be a big part of their day, like really big, because there's not 200 other guests to distract them from you. Right. Like a lot of times it's like the couple and me, that's it. Maybe their dog. I don't know. It's like, right. And so you, they need to know who you are and they need to relate to you and they need to feel like they can trust you and that you're going to be the expert. And then if you're going to be out in these areas, maybe they've never been to these places and they want to know you've been there and you understand it and you know it. Yeah, it's really, really important. And as you say, especially as elopement photographers, at least the way I work, I help out with all the planning and timelines and I do all that work. And if I didn't know the location and if I didn't know how to plan it out and what vendors to reach out to, I would be really lost. So that's really what a good place to start is to know what you need to know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. To visit there like and to understand wherever these places are that you really want to go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you could recommend one thing to build a sustainable business, what would that be? I think it's working backwards. So knowing your lifestyle design, which like we said, can change all the time, right? 
So it's understanding like, this is what I want out of my life. And that's so different for so many people. Some people are like, I'm in my 20s and I want to live in my van and I want to travel all over and I can do 50 elopements a year because that's all I got going on and I'm happy to do that, right? And other people are like, well, I'm super busy and I have all these little kids and I've got a family or I'm doing this or I'm also in school or I've got my nine to five and I can't just be gone all the time. Well, those are two very different lifestyles and the end goal is different. And so I think the very most important thing you can do is understand where you're trying to get. I tell my my people I coach all the time, like, picture yourself in five years. Where are you trying to get? Because if you're just like, I just want to book elopements. I want to be a, an elopement photographer. Okay, but why? Like, where where are you headed with that? Because your why and where you want to end up could be very different from my why and where I want to end up. So you have to know that to create a sustainable business. Because if you just say, I want to book elopements and you take every elopement that comes your way. And next thing you know, you have 50 elopements and you actually didn't want that because you have all these other commitments and you can't be traveling that much. That's going to cause a problem, right? So I really think it's just understanding your why, where you're headed and like what your lifestyle looks like. Really plan out your life first and then create a business that sustains that lifestyle. I agree with that 100%. I think it's so important to start there. Start with with why you want to do it. Figure out your life first and then make sure that your business fits around that and helps you achieve that uh, instead of the other way around. Yeah, because the business can quickly take over your life. Absolutely. Yeah, right? And that that is a problem I've definitely had in the past where I'm like, oh my gosh, my whole life has become my business, right? I'm like, yes. yeah. So don't let that happen to you. Plan your life so that your business can sustain it. Yes, definitely do that. But this has been really, really nice, Heather. And I feel like I've learned so much. And it's re- you have a really different approach to marketing for elopements than I do. And I feel like I want to test out your way of doing things. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. And definitely, like, just reach out to me. I'd love to help you get set up with that. And yeah, Perfect. anytime you have questions. It's been fun. I love talking about stuff, as you can tell. Yeah, I can tell. I love it too. And yeah, it's been great. But I'm sure that the listener wants to know more about you as well. So where can they go to keep learning? Okay, so my Instagram handle is Heather Anderson Photography. And then and it's S-O-N for Anderson. And then my website is heatherandersonphoto.com. And if you guys want to DM me, if you want my free training on Instagram ads, it's like a 20 minute watch your own pace video on replay, just DM me the word booked and I'll send it right over. Wow. Perfect. That's so wonderful. I want to check that out myself. So I'll be sure to link to everything in the show notes and thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you having me here today. You just listened to an episode of Sustainable Photography. Please share this episode with a photographer you care about. 